Hello and welcome again. I've been wanting to revisit something that I recorded a long time ago. Well, not that long, a couple months ago, before the new year. I was sort of talking through something that was on my mind. And I've listened to it a few times now and tried to think of ways to come back to it and try to address it, maybe look at it in different ways. And at the moment, I think the best way for me to go forward with this idea is actually just to let you listen to the raw, unedited, original recording that I made. So I don't think I ever quite intended for it to be published, so... Maybe this is a little treat for you, or maybe it's a little bit of torture for you. I don't know, one way or the other, but uh, here it is. So the topic is talking about fatherhood and some of the reasons why I felt at that time, and I still do, I still hold to these things, why I felt that it's important and why I think it's a little bit under attack these days. I know I get a little bit passionate in the thing, and that's simply because it's something that I hold dearly. I've gone through the process many times of trying to account for my personal values, and it always comes down to fatherhood right at the top of the list and I know that's partly to do with the fact that I've had to raise my kids essentially on my own for the last 10 years or well not quite 10 years but almost 10 years and so it's it is something that I hold dearly but it's also something that's a very difficult thing to think through. I think it's a really complicated problem that has no easy fix. And I don't mean to suggest in this that there is an easy fix. Because I realize that the problem of absent fathers and the problem of broken families is a very difficult one to try to tackle certainly for a little old me, and I'm, at, I'm thinking even of my own marriage, right? If, if we had have stayed together simply for the kids, yes, my kids would have had two parents, but that wouldn't have necessarily made us functional. So the solution certainly isn't to force people or or even encourage people to stay in bad relationships that's clearly not a good solution at the same time i think we do definitely have a lot of work to do in terms of helping young men learn how to be responsible so that they can take responsibility and and even if you get in a relationship that isn't good you know with children so you will take your fathering duties seriously. 
I think maybe that's a more productive direction, but that that's not something you can legislate. It's it has to come from from a cultural underpinning and from values taught in the home. And that's I think a little bit what I'm getting at in this discussion. Um, just a forewarning, I know this is, it can be a bit divisive, but I do bring up the role that traditionally religions played in this. And I think it was shortly, it was either, yeah, I think it was after having recorded this, I was listening to, I think it was The Happiness Hypothesis. It's a fantastic book by uh, Jonathan Haidt. He is a secular Jew. I think that means he's got the Jewish heritage, but he doesn't practice any of the religious aspects of it. And one of the things he decided to do was he wanted to take a serious look at why people held to religions, especially when you can look on the surface and some of it, you know, your logical brain would say, wait a minute here. And the default mode today seems to be to mock those people or call them crazy or what, whatever. But he decided to take a very serious, honest look at what the function of religions were in, in ancient cultures. And it was quite fascinating. I'm not going to... Sorry, I've got the sniffles here. I'm not going to cover review his whole book, at least not at this point in time, but essentially, you know, he said it had certain functions of holding tribes together and helping them to think beyond themselves. And so there certainly was some value there. And I think the trend I'm seeing where, like I say, we, we see people attacking others for being religious or even when we see religions attacking other religions, that's not really helpful either. But when we see these types of things, it it hurts these types of causes. And it because when, when you go on the attack against religion, the what follows is attacking aspects of these institutions that actually worked to make society better. And some of them you can't really logic your way into. In fact, you logic your way away from them and make matters worse in the process. Because here's a little secret that might help you out. People don't know everything. Science know, has taught us a lot, the process of science, but it's still ongoing. So there are things we don't know. There are some things that just work because they work. And why they work, we haven't got there yet. So remembering these things is probably helpful. I think I've blathered on enough about this. I'll let you listen to this. Uh, this little rambling I made, well, it's not really a rambling. It is a, a heartfelt thing, and that's why I wanted you to hear it, because I don't think I could replicate this, this full spirit of it. So have a listen, and 
you know, see what you think. There's probably going to be things in it you don't like, and that's cool. I mean, as I was saying in, I think it was my New Year's one, one of the problems I see is that when we come across ideas we disagree with, we tend to become overly defensive and go on the attack. And I, I would ask you to hear me out. Maybe maybe you don't agree with everything I have to say, but that's cool. And, you know, I'm, it, I'm just muddling things through. I mean, sometimes I will come to one conclusion, talking through it, and then as I learn more, I will change my position. Actually, I'll give you an example. I just did this the other day. I'm here in bargaining. And one of the things that I wasn't too happy about was a proposal for... Oh, boy. Well, because I'm in bargaining right now, I, I shouldn't say too much because I will get myself into trouble. But let's just say there was one agenda item that we were asking for that it came in on onto the list of items we were bargaining for before I was a member here, and I didn't particularly like it. And... I am not the type of person to stand by silently when I don't like something, when I think something is flat out wrong, and when I thought it didn't represent the interests of the people I was representing. So I voiced this, and it was a very difficult conversation. And the the initial response was to fight me, and that's fine, that's usually what happens. But as the conversation went on and it became a bit more civilized, they presented me with things I didn't know, new information. And as I heard these things and considered them, I started changing my feelings a little bit. Well, a lot, really. And I, I know this is this is probably sounding like Hey, wouldn't wouldn't it be great if everybody was like me? That's not what I mean, but I sort of do. <laughs> um, but my initial reaction was actually to, even as I heard the items that eventually won me over, when I first heard them, my initial instinct was to kind of scowl and reject them. Although, luckily, I took some time and I considered them, and I was like, you know what? Okay, I can I can see where this is coming from and give you the benefit of the doubt here. So that that's sort of my point. I'll pro I'll probably come back to this in time and provide a few more details on that if I can if and when I can. But uh anyway, uh, in the meantime, here's the conversation I had about fathers and um yeah, I hope you enjoy it. I'm not entirely sure where this fits in, but it's something that I thought about a lot today. I don't want to get down a, a rabbit's hole too, too deep, but let's just say it started out with a discussion I was listening to about affirmative action. 
and about racial inequalities. And there were obviously some wrongs that took place in the past and various attempts to right those wrongs, such as affirmative action, have seemingly done the the reverse. They've made the problem actually worse by most indications, although the people who implemented it or stand behind it generally aren't willing to admit that because that would mean admitting they were wrong about this. And generally that means calling themselves a racist because normally their way to defend these things are by calling anyone who opposes it racist. So they themselves don't want to feel racist, blah, 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 blah. But a more true indicator of what what happens seems to be the, or rather a better indicator seems to be the lack of most times it's a father in the household. So it's a single parent um, family. And generally speaking, that means no father at home. That seems to be the biggest indicator as far as whether the child grows up in poverty, goes to jail, um, goes to college, winds up in poverty, these kinds of things. So the greatest indicator seems to be the greatest way to ensure that everybody lives a good life is to promote having two parents at home. So let's just start with the presupposition that that is a good thing. I think we would have to look at why we're seeing a a decline in that. And I've heard various theories. I've heard that so the I'm in Canada now, but what happens in the United States tends to carry over into Canada, even if they're not, we're not governed by necessarily the same policies, and that's largely a cultural thing. So, one of the things that that I heard suggested was that one of the earlier attempts to right these wrongs were introducing the welfare state, but I think that. And, and supposedly this was really driven or really promoted towards black women. Now, I don't, I don't have the evidence for this. I've tried to dig it up and it's not easy to find. So whether or not that's true, I can't say. But what I can say is that there definitely seems to be a cultural thing sending us this message, which is, I'm going to try to say this without becoming too sarcastic because that, but basically that women don't need men, that whole, I don't need no man, um, which I, I kind of say goofy, but it's actually a true thing we're seeing more and more of. It's not on the decline. It's, it's, that is on the rise, this idea, I don't need no man. And that promotes the idea of of single motherhood, of I don't need this irresponsible guy in my life. He's, act, he's like another child. I'd be better off without him and on my own. So that's kind of prong one, but there's a second prong that's in there as well. And that's this idea of telling people that 
it's okay to do what feels good as long as you're not hurting anybody else. So this essentially tells you that you can be irresponsible. Let's well, let's not mince words. Basically sexually, you're saying that if as long as you know both parties consent, it's okay to have sex whenever you want. Now, of course, this creates the problem of well, what about unwanted pregnancies? So the solution to this cr- problem that this philosophy created is well, birth control. So tell people. Okay, so here's the problem though. You are telling people who are now being encouraged to just do what feels good to be responsible. So you're telling people at, at the same time you should be you, you don't need to be responsible yet you need to be responsible. That to me doesn't seem like a good way to move forward. And history would say it hasn't been. So why are these ideas popping up? Honestly, I think part of it, a big part of it is because because of a desire to move away from traditional religious institutions in society. Now, I definitely see a benefit to that, and I'm one who firmly believes that there needs to be a separation of law, uh, of sorry, uh, state and church. But at the same time, if culturally we're rejecting a lot of these ideas, then unfortunately, if if you say that, if you you can't get rid of religion and say that those religious ideas were good. The only other way to do that is to implement laws. And unless you want to start making it illegal for people to have sex outside of marriage, you're going to run into the problem that it simply doesn't work. Your, your philosophy falls apart. So the idea of ostracizing religion in our culture has really led to this decline because now what we're seeing is a lot of people being persecuted if you're by people like Sam Harris and and his minions people like Matt Delhunty or or those types who like to call people stupid like to say that people who are religious minded don't um, believe in the search for truth they say these kind of gross nasty things at people and are essentially trying to tear down the very foundations of what made our culture successful in the first place. So I think I think religion actually addressed this in two ways. The 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 problem that I'm talking about. Well, I mean there was two problems, so kind of makes sense that it addressed it in a couple different ways. So one thing was is that it's an organized system where the father is made responsible for taking care of the family physically, being the protector, being the provider, those types of things. And that is, there's an, the unpopular word in these days is the patriarchy. So I think it is fair and true to say that religion tends, does set up that particular hierarchy. 
and for good reason and for bad i there's there's good and bad there I, personally i think the good being that it forces men to be responsible and it 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 encourages women to see the value in men where otherwise they might be like well i birth i can birth a kid without a man i can raise a kid without a man i can go out and work without a man so this this philosophy of men needing women and women needing men keeps the family unit intact now that's not of course without its problems because it can be taken too far especially when you get men who become egotistical and think this makes them more important it obviously doesn't it's in fact the idea is the opposite it's it's because men are so can be so useless that we need this kind of manufactured system i think because otherwise there what do you need men for and the answer to that is well we need fathers we really do but young men are generally smart enough to understand that now the other way that a religion tended to address this was making sex outside of marriage a sin and partly why i think this works is especially for young people is because young people up to generally around the age 18 give or take i mean we're we're exploratory people are the thing is when we're children and we're learning we have less fear because we need to have less fear we need to explore we need to learn things and sometimes ex- learning things and being explorative is that a word but exploring it can be dangerous so giving uncompromisable boundaries and this is one way where really all of god's laws apply is is having teaching humility in rules that are above you and that are non-compromisable is extremely helpful especially for young men probably young women too but definitely having these boundaries that are non-negotiable are part of what teaches responsibility and part of what 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 prevents these unwanted consequences in a way that that young people can actually comprehend as opposed to teaching young kids to be skeptical of ev- absolutely everything from the get-go because if you're teaching them that then you're teaching them that you know well why 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 there's a time and place for that after you've learned the basics right so again good and bad everything good can be taken too far to a point of bad uh, but those were just my kind of thoughts on on i think it's about fatherhood it's about why we're seeing so many of the problems in society that we are today and the really sad thing i see is that people are unwilling to be humble enough to admit this because it's much easier to attack people 
for being, for holding to these traditions. And they're very clever. I mean, it's always moral attacks. If you believe in the sanctity of marriage, then, but then, you know, suddenly you're called, I don't know, they, they, they might call you homophobic, right? If you believe in, um, well, if you believe that in, in the family unit, you, that gender is important, you'll be called transphobic. It's always a character attacks, right? And those are very hard to backtrack from. That's part of the problem too, is once you start down this road of attacking people's character for, for their viewpoints, it's hard to back down from that because that means, first of all, admitting you were wrong and then you're becoming exactly what you accused someone else of being in your own mind. So that's part of the reason why I think it's very, it's going to be a a long road for us if we're ever to regain some sense of, of a decent society because of these character attacks, because of this tendency to be so intolerant of anyone who thinks differently than us.